Josh Blakesley, welcome to How's In The Pews. Going? Thank you, thank you, thank it's, you. It's going great. I'm glad to have you. I, I don't know if you know, but you are on like my wish list of guests for In The Pews. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> you know, it's funny because we uh, we scheduled this a couple times or attempted it a couple times and then finally we get to make it happen. So I'm excited. Yeah, the I'm first excited. time you were over at St. Anthony of Padua and you told me, you said... You know, uh, we'll reschedule it for, you know, maybe a couple of months. Don't worry, I'll come over to you in full share. Yeah. Right. And I was like, what's up with that? Then like about a week later, I find out Josh Blakesley's coming to St. Faustina. He's going to be our new music director. Now you've been it's the new music director coming. for like the past several weeks now, right? Yeah. So we're like, uh, what are we, four or five weeks in, something like that? So, yeah. So, um, so still getting settled. Still getting settled. Yeah. Now... Have you always been a musical person, like growing up ever since you were a kid? Uh, that's a good question. Um, n- not exactly. So I, so my f- my first experience with music was in in the first grade. I was I was banging on my desk a lot at in school at school, uh-huh. <laughs> and I was driving my teacher crazy. I was driving her berserk. So she, she was. Um, she, you know, I was all over the place and she finally, she moved me to the front and I was still like banging and just, I just was hearing things in my head. I was hearing rhythms that I had to get out, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and finally I remember telling her there was like a, there were so many kids in the class that they actually had like a reading table that she would sit and I wanted to sit at the reading table. So finally I was like, if you, if I get to go to the reading table, uh-huh. I, pro- I probably won't play drums on the reading table. Okay. You know? And, and she moved me to the reading and I still play drums on the reading. <laughs> so finally she was like, you got to do, she would told my mom, she was like, you got to do something with this kid to like put him in drum lessons or something. And uh-huh. so, uh, I, so I did, she did. Uh, and I, I bought, she, or, or they, one Christmas I woke up and there was a Smurf drum set in the living room. <laughs> Smurfs. Yeah. I was so excited. So it was a Christmas, my, the year I was in first grade, uh, the Smurfs were on this, you know, drum set. I was so excited to play it. Uh-huh. I, I broke it on the first day. Wow. I broke it on the, I just was smashed through, you know, just little paper <laughs> drum heads smashed right through them. It was awesome. So it wasn't a drum drum set. It was more of a toy yeah, drum yeah, set yeah, like than anything else. Set. Yeah. Right. It was the eighties, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so that was kind of my first experience with me and then and then growing up I kind of just um I I had a tendency toward yeah drums percussion it was a good outlet for me it was a good um I don't know why I was drawn to it nobody in my family played mom oh, dad really? nobody sisters nobody played um and so it was a little out of the ordinary, I think, for everybody, even, even you know, my parents' extended family, like no, nobody played. And so um, when I got to be in like seventh or eighth grade, they finally broke down and brought, bought the real drum set. Uh, it was a different Christmas, but, you know, another drum set. And, uh, and that was when it really kind of, okay, like um, this is This, this is, is a awesome. Real yeah, oh. I want to do this all the time. And, you know, it started to get musical friends and they came to the house and... Um, it was good that I had the drum set because everybody came to me, so I didn't have to load, load oh, the drum yeah. set anymore. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. so. it's easier to move guitars, but the yeah, drum right. set. Yeah, that's right. That's Nowadays, right. is people just usually bring a cajon or something. Yeah, like that, right. But, just show up with percussion. Yeah, but that. But yeah. back then, it was like a whole, a whole thing. Yeah, it was a whole thing to move everything. And I remember some of the some of the first gigs that we had. Um, were play, they were places I wasn't supposed to be in. I was too young to be <laughs> playing in some of these places. But but my dad would bring like we take the whole minivan and just load all of the equipment, uh-huh. the, the amps, the drums, the whole deal in the minivan, and we'd go. You know, to how these old were you bars. at that point when you first started getting? I was probably fourteen. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And you had um, like a whole 
preteen band. And we had you? a whole preteen band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had one guy that was eighteen, and the re- and the re- we were the rest of us were like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. What and kind so, of music did you guys play? Um, just just rock, just the you know the jukebox that everybody you know pop rock. Yeah, I got to the point where if I played "Don't Stop Believing" one more time, it was it. Oh. I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Were you the um, vocalist as well? I did some singing. I did some singing, but I was behind the drums. So, um, which was kind of which was kind of cool because some of my some of my main influences were were drummer singers because I did love to sing. Uh-huh. I just didn't you know I didn't have the gear to. We didn't have the Britney Spears mics back then. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing. So, um, so I remember seeing a video of Don Henley playing drums with the Eagles, um, and he had a he had there was a big mic stand that came up behind him uh-huh. and over his head, and then 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 the mic was, was on a gooseneck and came down right in front of him. Okay, and I remember thinking that's amazing. <laughs> I'd never thought of that, and so I found like I found a gooseneck and I found a boom mic stand and the whole deal. And then it was on. From then on, I was like, okay, I can sing from back here now, uh-huh. un- unimpeded with drumsticks. It, you know, it was great. That's awesome. Um, it was great. So Phil Collins, Don Henley. Phil I was Collins like, sounds about the same. Yeah, yeah Phil yeah. Collins for sure. Yeah, I was constantly emulating and and trying to find their music. Um, and you know what I think about a lot of times, Rudy, is that if like like my kids now, um, and all the kids now have have YouTube. So if you want to learn music, you can just get on YouTube and like go for it. Yes. You know? But back then, right? there was not, and it, oh. and it caused me to work harder. It caused me to like, okay, I'm diving in. I'm getting, uh-huh. I, I want to know how they do this. You yes. Know? So you have to really study it, you know? So anyway, I enjoyed it. Now you play, I, I've seen you play the piano and the guitar as well. When did you pick those up? Yeah. Well, was it so, later on? Yeah. So I think that's one of the beautiful things about um, about having the, the drum kit at my house was that they they were bringing guitars over, they were bringing keyboards over. So there was always stuff left at my house. Um, so the guitar player would occasionally talk to, he, he would, we'd, he'd stay after and we'd talk and, you know, just start just lounging around the house and there was always an acoustic guitar somewhere. And, you know, so I started learning guitar chords from him. Um, and then he, and then he started teaching, I started teaching him, you know, some drum things. So we Uh kind of swapped a little bit and, um, and then I just, yeah, as stuff was left at my house, I just started, I just started playing on it and working, you know, working out different things. So, so probably by the time I was 16 or 17, um, I could at least get by on, on guitar, drums and, uh, Piano uh, and piano. Do you yeah. play the bass as well? I do. Yeah, I like I like playing bass. I, I'm not a bassist, but I do I do love playing it. It's fun. Uh, I just like the, I I like that you can change the dynamic completely with a bass guitar. That mm. that it can be one thing and then the bass enters and it's a different thing completely. So. And and there's nothing cooler than going right. That's probably the best Slide thing about being. That's the best part of it. Yeah, right. I remember the first thing I learned on. This, speaking of '80s, the first thing I learned on bass guitar was the Night Court theme song. Do you remember that? Ba-da. Yes. Ba-da. That was awesome. That was great. They, they revived that show now. I know. I it's know. That's cool. what reminded me. Yeah. My wife and I watched that. I'm like, yeah. that's the thing in the background from the other episode. <laughs> Such a Night Court geek. Yeah. Anyway, so. You've learned all these instruments. Did you play in church as well? 
Um, so I was playing, um, I didn't until I was probably, uh, later in high school. Uh, it was kind of an interesting turn of events that happened in my life leading to that. Um, I was, we were doing just about every week or every other week in, in a bar or a nightclub or some kind of, um, you know, music venue or something. And we were playing, I was playing a lot and, um, and I remember starting to get really underwhelmed with with all of it, you know, and just thinking, man, is this it? Is this oh, all it is? Like staying out yeah. till two o'clock in the morning and people falling on themselves and just like, it's just, I don't know. I just started to lose kind of um, the excitement for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and around the same time, um, I I was I was seeing a girl. It always comes down to a girl, right? I was, I was seeing a, <laughs> I was seeing a girl, and uh, I I had met her in uh, met her in Spanish class, and I tried to Im- impress her with my mad Spanish skills. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, wasn't <laughs> it was. They weren't good. They're still not good. Um, and so, but she introduced me to um, to church, basically. She introduced Mm. me through youth group and through a youth ministry team. Uh, She introduced me, her name's Jenny. She introduced me to, um, uh, basically to a relationship with God. So I had been to church, you know, Uh that was kind of a requirement in our house. Mom was like, we're we're going to church. So your family is Catholic. Catholic, grew up Catholic. Yeah. Both sides, um, historically Catholic. That's right. Everybody was Catholic. Uh And, um, but beyond going to church on Sunday, there wasn't, there wasn't much faith. Uh, there wasn't much religion in the house. It wasn't much talked about, you know, in that, in that vein. So, so pretty much um, Sunday Catholic. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, um, and so when when this new sense of of approach this ownership of faith came along I was like this this is different this is uh-huh. it was almost weird to me you know yeah yeah um and and she kept asking me to 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 return to this prayer meeting to this youth group to this and I you know and she was pretty so I was like yeah okay I'll keep going you know? <laughs> but in the end um uh, I, I was I was drawn by well it's the Holy Spirit now you know but looking back on that I can see that now but back then I didn't I didn't of course, really yeah. understand what was good but it, it the whole um, the community of it the people of God you know like welcoming me into this community all of that uh-huh. um, sadly um, a, a few probably I, I guess maybe a year into that relationship maybe a little less. Um, uh, she, she and I went on to be really good friends. And, um, and then, uh, at, at some point she was coming, she was actually coming back from a retreat that she was working and, um, a drunk driver hit the car that oh. she was in. And, uh, and so she was, she was killed and oh wow it was a devastating thing. I th- it was very traumatic, um, for our entire community. It was just small town, Louisiana, Alexandria, Louisiana. Um, and so the whole community was just kind of blown away, traumatized by that wow. event. And so for me, that was the, there was a, there was a light bulb moment for me. I can remember specifically really? at, at the wake, yeah, walking, walking into the room. And that was the moment for me. It was like, okay, the Lord is asking me to make a decision here, to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the realization that she lived her life in such a way that brought others, me being one of those people, brought others to Jesus yeah. Um, through relationship, through um, through hospitality, through loving, you know, the people around her, uh, I was, um, yeah, I, I was moved by that. I was moved into a relationship with Jesus myself. I had to investigate. I had to find out more. 
Um, and to this day, you know, it is, it's the thing that, um, that draws me into relationship with Jesus to, um, to, to just know more about him and Mm -hmm. to investigate what, who is God, who, who am I to God? And, um, and really that's, that's, that's prayer for me through music. Anyway, all of the, all of that turned to, um, the music that I was playing, all of that turned into a relationship with God. It turned into uh, what I'm doing now has to be about the Lord, everything. What parish was this in Louisiana? Um, well, now, are you talking about a ra- the the civil parish or are you talking about the oh, church yeah, parish? Because right. yeah. we have, <laughs> it's Rapides Parish, but it's also, um, so it was actually uh, St. Joseph's in Marksville, Louisiana, in a Voiles Parish. Uh, so southern, not southern Louisiana, but but south of Alexandria. So Alexandria is kind of central. And then in, uh-huh. in Marksville, um, uh, there was a youth group uh, that was happening there, and this just kind of some amazing things that were happening in that little small town. And um, and and then and after Jenny's death, I mean, you can imagine people people were just affected so greatly by this whole thing um, that the Holy Spirit was able to move by people's openness and people like wanting to receive what He was doing. And man. Um, it really is, it's a beautiful story because even now, um, this, the Steubenville South conference is held in Alexandria, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And, and in a way that stems from, um, from all of that happening years and years ago, um, just because, uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs was there. He was, he was kind of instrumental in all of, you know, just pastoring his people during that time. It was difficult. And, um, he just loved all of us and loved that family and, um, so even still, it's just there's just something about something about that place where the Holy Spirit just moves and um, and you were in high school at that time, right? I was in high school. I was about fifteen at the time, um, uh, maybe sixteen, something like that. And uh, at that point, were you looking at a career in music? Did you think? Did you make that connection yet with you know music and your faith? I did. I really did want to do something in music. Like I wanted to be, um, I wanted to either move to LA or New York and, and do something in music. But because we were playing every weekend and I was just finding this dissatisfaction with it, mm. I was questioning all of it. Uh-huh. And so when Jenny died, it really caused some some pretty important life questions for me, I think at an early age, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I'm yeah. going what am I supposed to do with this? You know, like, I'm, what does it all mean? You know, uh-huh. life is obviously so precious and it can be taken away that quickly. Um, so it really called to mind some of the important questions, I think, that we ask ourselves in life. Um, yeah, so um, so that was, that, that was 15, 16 years old, and I was like, man, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I want to do, I want to do this. I want to, I don't know what career but I know I want to follow God for the rest of my life. So what was your next step after that? Um, musically or spiritually? Both. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I got involved with that youth group. I got involved um, pretty intensely with that youth group, and I, I wanted to explore more what, um, what God was calling me to, you know, some of these life questions. So what, what is it that God is asking of me um, as a human being? Um, and as I as I got more involved with this youth youth group, I learned that they um, they actually went out and and did um, retreats, parish ministry, and mm-hmm. conferences, and youth to youth ministry. 
Um, and it just so happened that they were they were hoping for somebody that could play music, you know. And um, and so I said, well, I'll play drums, you know. And so they they threw me behind a drum set, and off we went to play for different <laughs> uh, different confirmation retreats. It's pretty grueling. Some of these, some of the, you know, it's not always. Uh, not every confirmation student wants to be a confirmation student, you know, and so, yes. so I learned pretty early oh, yeah. that it's sometimes <laughs> difficult to impress um, impress the faith on other people who, if they're not ready to hear it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You walk into hostile crowds sometimes. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Confirmation retreat is kind of a, <laughs> can be a hostile crowd. Um, so, but we did a lot of that as as teenagers, 16, 17, growing up, you know, mm-hmm. um, through the years doing that. Um and uh, I, I got really close with uh, those, some of those people are still dear friends to me. I, I'm, I've got a text group right now. I can think of three guys that that I grew up doing that ministry with that we still we we talk daily, and nice. um, and it's just been a beautiful accountability to the faith. It's been a beautiful accountability to prayer and and to just being a man of God, you know, and holding true to what we say and what we do. Now, musically, did you did you ever take formal lessons? Um, in this, yeah, formally, in, in terms of lessons, I did, um, I took drum lessons for a long time, uh, and then later I took piano lessons for a little while, um, but I never did any formal training in college or, um, so you didn't go to a music school or anything I, I didn't. Like that. I, I went to LSU and um, and they kind of discouraged me from the music thing. And a lot of friends did too. They really? said, Hey, you know, you you can do music. Why don't you do something? Why don't you major in something that you can fall back on? And, uh-huh. you know, it was probably wise counsel at the time, but but now looking back, I wish that I had just followed the, you know, followed the path that, that I felt drawn toward. But but yeah, at, at LSU, it's more of a, uh, I would say a, f- a formal music, you know, uh, there there are schools in Louisiana that are a little more Toward the media and toward you know the the style of music that I was playing, but what did LSU you take off in one of those. LSU? So I'm a social scientist. I'm a uh, oh a soci- sociology, and, uh, and so yeah, so it kind of a totally different different direction. But I'm grateful because I think it's uh, it it's helped me to understand people a little bit better and to dive into the sociology and the and the psychology of people and and who I'm around and who I'm with and, and appreciate and be grateful for the people that I'm around. Uh, but right now I'm working on a master's. I'm almost finished with a master's in music production. So I'm excited. Oh, so nice. I finally went back and, and I was like, okay, I'm following this. I want to do this. I'm Where are you studying that? Uh, Berkeley, uh, Berkeley in Boston. So uh, it's an online course. It's awesome. It's It's been awesome. It's so, if school... If all of school was this way, <laughs> oh man, different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. So, so when did so you start fun. writing music? Were you did you always write music when you were like since you were young? Or uh, I started writing music when I was. Uh, I think the first song was I was fourteen. I think Thir- 13? Four- thirteen. It's thirteen years old. First song, someone like you. Love song. Oh, it was a love song. Guitar, two chords. Two. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, two chords, whole thing. Two chords. Do you still remember it? I do. Yeah, I still remember it. I could. I think I, yeah, I think I could still get through it. It's, it's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. 14, and then you just kept writing music, or did you? Yeah, I mean, over time, I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, you know, explicitly writing music and, you know, like really scheduled on, you know, and like once a month I've got to turn out three songs or whatever. Uh It wasn't. Um, but when I was inspired when, you know, when something, 
uh, and I spent a lot of time, a lot of time in my room working on music. Just, I just loved it, and I was, uh, yeah, it was just something that I could hyper focus on. And um, so once in a while, I would do that, and I wasn't satisfied until the song was finished. So I, it wasn't something I could walk away from and uh-huh. just go, okay, mm-hmm. well, one day I'll finish that. It was like if I walked away from it, I was, I was going to do whatever, and then coming right back to it so I could finish it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so all through high school, I would say, and then college, I really got kind of dived more into songwriting and, um, yeah. And then as I got, as I got married and, and, you know, started looking more seriously at, um, what is it that you have to do to be a husband and a uh-huh. wife and a provider, you uh-huh. know, not a husband, a wife, a husband, a dad and provider, um, then, You know, then I really dove more into okay. So, what is publishing all about? What is Mm -hmm. songwriting really all about? And trying to study those things and learn those things, um, and writing with other good writers. And and the more I talked to other good writers, and the more I wrote with other good writers, the more I learned that the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, And I guess that's true with anything, but but particularly with songwriting, because man. You just have to put the time in, you know. Um, How did you meet these writers? Um, yeah, so early on, the, the first album that I did, I, I wrote all of the songs myself. I um, uh, with a, I put a couple of covers on the, that record as well. Um, Were you still in college or you had already graduated? Um, I graduated. So, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I was at LSU. Um, my wife and I, actually, we went to high school together, but we didn't date until we got to LSU. And, okay. then, and then all of a sudden we decided we were interested in each other. So, uh, <laughs> so we, we went to, we went, we spent a lot of time together um, in college. And then, um, after we got married, I, I was like, okay, I got to buckle down. And I went into real estate and I was like, I'm uh-huh. going to be a real estate guru. You know, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to know everything there is to know <laughs> about real estate. And then I realized that 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 commercial or, or, or residential real estate was not all it was cracked up to be, at least not for me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I just could not escape music. I could not. Mm. So I was going to work and I was trying to sell houses and talk about contracts and, and square footage and all of these things. Uh-huh. But in the back of my mind, I was like, man, when's my next event? When's the next event that I'm doing? When's the next weekend away or, or the, you know, where I'm going to, you know, Were you still music? playing at church? At that time? Um, I was doing, yep. Yeah, I had, uh, so I started at, um, at Our Lady of Prompt Secor is what everybody should say. What we say in Alexandria, because we're hillbillies, is Alexandria, uh, is Prompt Sucker, Prompt Sucker, Louisiana, <laughs> uh, Prompt Sucker Church. Um, so, so at Prompt Sucker, I was there for, um, for several years, 18 total. Um, and, uh, just, but early on just doing part-time work there. So, uh-huh. so just in the evenings playing for mass and, um, uh, and helping them out and then, and then trying to, uh, uh, trying to work during the week as a real estate agent. Uh, and then finally one day, Heather and I sat down, my wife Heather and I sat down and just went, hey, um, we got to really think about this calling. You mm-hmm. know, like the, this is something that it just feels like God keeps pulling us toward. And I've got these songs and, you know, I, I want to do something with them. Um, and I've, we, we, belt, we both felt like through prayer that God was calling us to do, um, to do more, you know, to to dive into that and that he would use it for something, you know? So, um, so as we, as we ventured into that, uh, it, I mean, we took kind of a big risk and, um, 
I, I knew some friends of mine that had moved out to Arizona and got involved with the Life Team movement out there in mm-hmm. uh, St. Tim's. And so there was, I knew that there was people out there that were really good in Catholic music. And uh, uh, so as we kind of, as we kind of just put those relationships together, uh, I was able to get some help, kind of, you know, some guidance on, on what to do, you know, just how a little to, networking here. That's there right. And, that's yeah. right. How to professionally, you know, get, a, get music recorded and make it sound great, you know, like, like in the CCM world. And, and, and I had emulated, man, I just loved, once I made that switch from, um, from playing in bars to, to like, to play in, in churches and, and making, trying to write Christian music and trying uh-huh. to play Christian music and listening to Christian music. And it was such a fruitful time. I mean, the nineties were, oh my gosh, Christian music in the nineties. I just, I still love it. I mean, so many people are going to watch this and go, you are the cheesiest person <laughs> and, all, and I don't care because I just, I mean, Stephen Curtis Chapman, I still think when I listen to his music, I still feel like he is the guy that is sitting next to me having a conversation with me through the music that he's playing. I it just that's what happens when he when he writes and plays. Uh DC Talk, um Michael W. Smith, Amy Michael Grant, Smith, yeah. um Michael English. Some of these some of these people were just, you know, just cranking out amazing uh not just amazing songs, but they were performing them amazingly that you know, just as well as anybody in secular yeah. music and I just thought, yes. man. Um so that was just such an inspiration. And I just was like, okay, so I, I want to present the music that I do. I want to present it that well for God. Like what, what we do for the Lord shouldn't be less because there's some, you know, accommodation made, but uh-huh. rather it should be great because it's for the greatest being in the universe. Yes. So how do we make it awesome? And that was uh, for me, yeah, that was the thing. It was like, I got, I got to make, so, so I reached out to, to friends, um, through Life Teen and, um, a guy named Jeff Thomas, who, uh, still lives in, uh, in Nashville. He's actually a, a music director at a parish there now in Brentwood and, um, still a good friend. Uh, we talked this week, as a matter of fact, he's, he's mixing some songs for me. Um, and he, he produced my first record and, um, man, just so much fun when I think about the, the memories that, you know, some of those some of the players that played on that and, and the process of all that. When you made it. that first record, how did you, how did you market it? Did you try to find a label or something? Or you re- released it independently? Yeah. You know, we, we took out a second mortgage on our house. It really? It was a huge leap of faith. Wow. I do not recommend doing that. <laughs> it, but it was something that we felt like, like the Lord was really calling us toward and man, it took a big leap of faith for us, but, but, um, but we felt confident that that we knew enough people and that we had enough events, you know, planned throughout uh-huh. the year to to pay for the record if it couldn't pay for itself. And um, and the plan was let's just order, you know, a couple thousand copies of it and see if we can sell it when I go and and play in places. And um, what was the name of that album? Immersed, yeah. And immersed was, I mean. It's it's one of my favorite albums because it's I think it's so it's so um, innocent in a lot of ways and, and the songwriting was early and it was um, and it was my first venture into the professional music world you know and uh, and really trying to answer the call to be to be great at music you know so um, so anyway yes I, it wasn't long after I finished that album I, I still remember Heather and I were sitting in. Um, 
an Olive Garden in Baton Rouge, and um, my friend Paul George called. And Paul was uh, from Alexandria. He grew up doing ministry with him. Still, he's one of the guys who just grew up and uh-huh. still talked to him all the time. He had moved out to Arizona. He was out there with Tom Booth and Matt Marr, and they were working at St. Tim's and just doing God's work, just um, just in the trenches and and doing um, great music ministry, great ministry with Life Teen and. Uh, and, uh, and so Paul called and I said, it's date night. I'm out here. I'm out here at Olive Garden with my wife. We're putting uh-huh. that down, you know, so put the phone down and we just went back to talking and he, he must've called four more times and Heather was like, just get it. I was like, okay. <laughs> answer. And he, so he's sitting with, he, so Paul is sitting, he's out to dinner with, uh, with Tom Booth, with Matt and, and with John Lim, who was the, the, uh, president of uh, publisher for OCP at the time for Oregon Catholic Press. And um, and he was like, "Hey, Josh, I'm sitting here with some guys, and uh, we've just been listening to your record, and everybody really likes it." And uh, uh, I was like, "Oh, well, that that's awesome." He's like, "Yeah, you're on speakerphone." I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm in Olive Garden." <laughs> and uh, so so anyway, it turns out they they liked the project and and offered to offered to buy the project the the masters from me, which was amazing because we didn't know what we were going to do. I mean, honestly, like besides just trying to sell it out of our trunk for the next uh-huh. two years, we didn't know uh-huh. how we were going to pay for it. And um, what year was and, this? Ooh, testing the memory. <laughs> uh, 2001-ish. So your master's, were they digital or did you... Um, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, no, they, yeah, it was Pro Tools. Yeah, so they were okay. digital. Yeah, they were, they were digital at the time. Yeah, early on, when I was in high school, we did some recording, um, which, man, I hope nobody ever hears <laughs> some of that early stuff. But that was like on ADAT. That was like on the the, the old school uh, digital tape. Uh-huh. You know? so, oh, it wasn't it was the big really, reel-to-reel ones? No, no, no yeah, <laughs> I didn't work on any of the reel-to-reel stuff. But I would love to do that, actually, though, one day. I need to do that. Get that old school sound. Yeah, right. Now let's rewind a little bit. When you were, when your friend had died, and you mm-hmm. were going through that whole, you know, you were reflecting on everything. Did you ever think of uh, priesthood or entering seminary? I did. So, um, so that's a great question, Rudy. Because um, in in all of that time, in all that life questioning, you know, like what is God calling me to do? I really dove in spiritually to to what. Um, to what God wanted for me for a career, for what God wanted, you know, for me for a vocation. Um, and so I started meeting uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs, who I talked about earlier, is, he's he's just one of my favorite people on the planet. He, in terms of, of pastoring a people, I mean, I, there's very few people on, on the planet, very few bishops on the planet who, who will get that down grassroots in the weeds with the people. And uh, he he was a spiritual director for me for for years. I went and met with him once a month, and we sat down, and I went to confession, and mm. and we talked about you know how is your prayer life, how are you you know are and he would hold me accountable to things, and um, it was such a beautiful time. And 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 I approached that question with him like um, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have let me escape without approaching that question. <laughs> like, have you thought about the priesthood? Uh-huh. No, Bishop, I'm not thinking about the priesthood. You need to think about it. So, um, so I did. So I spent a long time um, really diving into that question and praying on if this was something that was um, that the Lord was calling me toward. But, but ultimately, yeah, I, I, I felt called toward uh, marriage and you know as a vocation. I wanted to be I wanted to be husband and I wanted to be dad. Yeah. Were you seeing your 
your now wife at that time? Um, not yet. No. Yeah. Still no, just this friends. was before then. Yeah. We, yeah. We were just friends. We knew each other, but yeah, at, at that time, yeah, no, we weren't involved. Did your wife know that, uh, that girl, the one who had died? Uh, she did. As a matter of fact, Heather was in the car. Uh, she was in the car that same night. They, um, uh, they were they were both in the back seat. Heather Heather survived the uh, the accident. Oh wow! Uh, she, she was in the hospital for for weeks and weeks afterwards, a broken femur and uh, some other things. But um, but yeah, it was pretty it was pretty devastating for you know for her for her family for just the whole community. I mean, it was insane. wow. Yeah. So fast forward your first album, you give them the masters, and then they release it. You know, to a wider audience. Um, yeah, so, so they take the masters and I'm learning as I go here, you know, I've got no music degree, I've got no music uh-huh. business degree, I've got no idea, you know, any of this. And I'm, I'm calling, you know, luckily, um, Heather, my wife's got some attorneys in her family. So I'm like calling them going to, is this a contract? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> What's a contract? Um, and, and, you know, just trying to figure out what, what next steps are and all of that. And, um, you know, OCP is such a great company. They always have been such a, a good company, um, really based on Catholicism for a um, hundred years now. They've been doing this, and um, which is amazing that the Catholic company has been along it's been around that long and they're still, you know, plugging away and, you know, obviously very on the up and up and honest and, and willing to make you know, anything happened that, that, you know, we needed to make happen. And so it was a, it was a great experience. The whole thing was a, a great experience still is, you know, I still have a great relationship with them and they published the music that I'm writing still. And, um, you know, just 20 years of, of, um, amazing musical relationship with them. But, but I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know how it should all begin. So uh-huh. as I gave it to them, I kind of tr- entrusted it to them. There was also a lot of discussion at that time. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember all the people at the table. It, um, Matt Marr, Curtis Steven, uh, Steve Angrisano, uh, Sarah Hart, I think, uh, Tom Booth. There were a few. Um, we were all drawn together for the idea of spirit and song for this this label version of OCP or, uh-huh. or this contemporary um uh, version of Oregon Catholic Press. And so it was this big meeting in, in Portland, and we took a weekend and prayed and talked. And um, it, it really was an amazing weekend where where so much was born and and still exists today and has it just changed forms a little bit and has turned mm-hmm. and, and weaved. But, um, but it really was an introduction of, I think, contemporary music for the church and... Um, yeah, I I love it. That's a whole that's a whole conversation <laughs> there. But but I I just I love what they started uh, back then and what we're still doing today. I just think it has so much beauty and merit and has brought so many people into the church. Um, so yeah. At, at what point did you say, "Hey, I can make a career out of this"? Mm. Um, I think I think that that was probably it. it, it that um when that, they bought that first album yeah I, when when that happened I, I it felt like such an affirmation from the lord like we we placed our trust in him uh jesus i trust in you and we said that as a couple and you know in, in terms of like two people searching for what are we going to do with the rest of our life and um and he was faithful he 
answered that prayer mm-hmm. uh, in the way that we were asking it to be answered, which, you know, that doesn't always happen. A lot of times we ask, you know, we ask for our wants or our needs and God goes, okay, in my time, but, but you know, uh-huh. it, the answer isn't always yes. You know, sometimes we have to be willing to hear no from the Lord. Did anyone tell you like, hey, maybe you shouldn't put a second mortgage on your house? <laughs> you know, uh, this is... This is not exactly um, the smartest move. Yeah, I think my mom said that. I think I think my mom said that. Was she was like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. But we we felt good though. Honestly, it wasn't a it wasn't a crazy decision. It wasn't like uh-huh. an irresponsible decision. Did we, you have we kids? We knew that we had family. We didn't have kids yet. Okay, and we knew that we had uh, family who loved us and supported us and and were in behind us and wanted it wanted it to happen. You know. Um, and so as as we took as we took the step, you know, um, we felt like the the Lord coming back and going, all right, here is here is your out, and here here's the way that I'm going to provide for you. We we felt like that was such an affirmation that that was kind of the beginning for me. It was like, okay, this is this is it. And I took that CD, and I sent. Um, I mean, because they bought the master, but I still had I still had well, my father in law. We were just going to buy two thousand copies and try to sell them throughout the summer uh-huh. events we did. And my father-in-law was like, "Nah, we're going to buy four thousand copies." He was like, mm. <laughs> "He was like, I'm getting behind you." Uh-huh. And uh, it was awesome. And and I, so I still had. They bought the masters, and I still had four thousand copies. I had to get rid of. So wow. <laughs> I was like, now what? Do I, now what do I do with all this? All these CDs it's in my a attic. Yeah, it's a different uh, mix, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so then those collectors' items, right? <laughs> right. I don't know where they are now. We we did we sold them. I mean, I, I worked hard over the next couple of years to to tour and get get that project out there and let folks know what we're doing. And in fact, I took that CD and mailed it to every single diocese in the all two hundred and something dioceses in the country. And, really, uh, and just to 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 youth directors and uh, uh-huh. directors of youth ministry and just going, hey, um, this is what I do. If you need help, uh-huh. you know, with music for your event, this is what I do. And um, and it was well received and, you know, and uh, the phone started ringing. Thank God the phone started ringing. So, At that point, is that when you stopped the real estate? Um, I did it for a little bit, a little bit longer, but uh-huh. not much, not much longer. Yeah, after that, I, it's kind of half, I, half in and That's out. right. I turned and... and um, uh, I, I, we had a couple of other things. Uh, we moved back to Baton Rouge for a time and um, lived there and I worked for what was called the Governor's Program on Abstinence, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, the state of Louisiana kind of working toward um, uh, abstinence in schools, in public schools. Okay. So it was an awesome time to, to kind of... So I was kind of working on that part-time and, and traveling at the same time. So it was awesome. That the Lord was just providing ways for us to to make it happen and um, and, and do what we felt like we were called to do. So when did the kids come? Um, well, it's still much later, 2005, uh, 2005, we had Sophie and, uh, and, and, uh, in still in Louisiana, still in Louisiana. Yeah. She had, and man, that changed the whole world. Um, I didn't, I, I mean, you know, we had we had a dog and that was it <laughs> and then we had sophie and you know and you're just like oh a baby now what um, this is a human with yeah, a soul <laughs> <that's right. laughs> what do we do um 
And it was, it was, it, you know, I mean, she was, she was a good baby. She was not a good baby. She cried so much. She was, but she's an she awesome child. She was colicky. Was she colicky? <laughs> I don't know if she was colicky or if she just, we just spoiled her is probably what happened because oh, okay. everybody, it was our first, you know, and everybody wanted to hold her and everybody wanted, and so, um, so yeah, we, we tried everything. We stood on our heads to get that baby to go to sleep, but um, uh, yeah, so, and then Sutton was born in 2007, two years later, so um so yeah, so they are uh, 18 and 16 now. It's a different ball game yeah, from diapers. A... <laughs> yeah. Now, when you start making music and starting to click and everything like that, did anyone ever tell you, hey, you know, maybe you can try some more, something a little more secular? Mm-hmm. Did anybody try to sway you that way? Something a little more quote unquote marketable? Um, n- not really. I mean, I, th- I was pretty, I was pretty um, set on, you know, Playing in churches and making making Christian music, particularly Catholic Christian music, and moving um, moving contemporary Christian music into the liturgy, and, and what does that look like, and what does it sound like, mm. and um, and how do we do that appropriately? I think that's that's the big thing. You know, after Vatican II, I think there was a lot of there's a lot of craziness and <laughs> a lot of a lot of things happened in liturgy that was like eh, that's questionable, but um, but it, and even still, you know, like it, I think it's a, it takes a particular touch to bring um, to bring contemporary music into the liturgy, and so I really started asking the question: How do we do that well, and mm-hmm. what does that sound like, and um, and should all of this music be is is all of this music for liturgy? Maybe some of it's not. Maybe some of mm. some of it's appropriate for liturgy. Some of it's not, and so. Um, and, and I think that was the true, that was, that was true even with Immersed, even with the first album, um, that was true because there are some of the songs on that project that even today I would play in mass, but there are some that I, I wouldn't, I just don't think they're appropriate for liturgy. So, um, you know, I think it's an important delineation, you know, that, I, that I wanted to make even early on as we started this. So when you're making the, when you're writing the songs and you're making the music and you know, you're. Do you think, oh, this is this is definitely for church, and this one's not? Do you already think about that, or do you just wait till the final product comes out? Yeah, I do. I I think with a lot of the songs I write now, I'm I'm writing more specifically toward liturgy, uh-huh. uh, and uh, back then I was writing more toward uh, radio. I was even experimenting a little bit with, um, is there um, is there a place where these things these two things meet? Is there a place where a song can be on the radio and it can also be appropriate for liturgy, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the answer to that question is yes, it can be, um, but not every song appropriate for liturgy is appropriate for radio and vice versa. Not every song that's on the radio should be in mass, but um, but I think there are some that can that can cross those bounds and um, and you know, I, but but now I. Th- well, I don't know. I st- I still do that a little bit because I, I just think, I just think sometimes you know, in order to write a song that is um, that's peppy and and has you know it's up tempo and it has emotion and feeling behind it and it's uh-huh. joyful, you know, I think that has a you know that's generally what radio is looking for and it's and I think there's a place for that you know in in liturgy uh, if it's got the right feel to it, so. Now, did anyone ever tell you, like a manager or something like that, or anyone try to give you advice? Hey, 
maybe try not to write things that are so Catholic, something that's a little <laughs> more broad to the other, you know, other denominations. Has anyone ever said anything like that to you? Yeah, you know, because it's funny, Nashville's not, uh, you know, most of the CCM world, the contemporary Christian music world, um, is not Catholic. And yes. there's been a whole network made of radio stations and promoters and concert venues and churches who consider themselves concert venues and all of this whole beautiful network of things that's kind of been set up, but it's not, it, most of those places aren't Catholic. And so it's, uh, it's just a little different. And, and so, um, so as, as I was, as I have met in the past and still continue to meet with, with some of those organizations, labels, companies, publishers, right, you know, um, I'm, I'm still in that world. And once in a while, my manager will go, okay, you gotta, you gotta back off on the Catholics per minute, man. You're <laughs> really dropping. The... <laughs> oh, you're... because I do talk. I, I, my language is just, it's, it's Catholic. I just, yeah. you know, I use yeah. words like liturgy and, and sacrament and, uh-huh. um, sacredness and holiness and, th- you know, things that uh-huh. it's just, it's a different, sometimes it's a different language. There's just a different vocabulary sometimes, you know, and. Uh, yeah, so sometimes she's like, "You got, you got to slow down on the Catholics per minute." You're like, "Really?" <laughs> so, do any have you ever come to a point where somebody said, "Okay, well, we'll we'll give you this gig," or but you gotta back off on you know the Catholic lyrics or the Catholic songs or don't sing this song that's you know obviously Catholic, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I have not really gotten that um, in most. I mean, we're church, right? I mean, we're, we're mostly, for the most part, pretty forgiving. I, I have found it's been my experience. I, I, uh, I remember one time I was playing at a at a Baptist church, and um, I started talking about one of the songs that I wrote, which is common. Before you know, before I sing it, sometimes I'll launch into a little story about how I wrote it or whatever. And uh, so this particular song is "Our God Is Good." It was on it's on Immerse. It was on the first project, and uh, we still do it live. It's just kind of one of those songs that crowds immediately kind of respond to. So. We've always done it, and I'm launching into this talk about well, well, I was writing this song with my friend Cooper Ray, and it's from the Book of Tobit. Well, so I I went through this whole thing about the Book of Tobit and scripture, uh-huh. and they Tobit is not one of the books that's <laughs> that's in the Catholic Bible. Yes, not so much in other. So um, anyway, I never thought anything about it, but then uh, after afterwards, the pa- the pastor was like. Tobit, huh? He pulled you aside. (laughs) But but it was all in good fun. Like he he was laughing so hard about it and thought, you know, like, and I was, I I was, I thought it was hilarious because of all the books for me to talk about in the Bible. That's, (laughs) I went to Tobit, which is really strange. And and I rarely do that. I really even say, I rarely even say Tobit anywhere. But uh, yeah, it was just a funny moment that, um, but he was really good about it. And he was like, yeah, I, you know, he's got a PhD in scripture or whatever, you know, and from his seminary, so he he knows what I was talking about, but uh-huh. uh, but most of his assembly did not. So <laughs> he wasn't bothered at all, but it was funny. Did you ever feel the urge to make music that wasn't, um, you know, praise type music or contemporary Christian music, just pop music in general, or love songs like your first song that you wrote yeah. when you were a kid? Yeah, once in a while, I will I will do that. I st- I, uh, I I do turn my attention. I th- I think any good writer, if if he or she is really is really writing and spending time writing, and um, even in my journaling, you know, like like when I pray, I, I pray towards journaling. Um, it's kind of just that Ignatian spirituality, and 
um, because I like to write. I, I, I write out my thoughts. I'm, they're more clear to me when I write, write them down. And, um, and so in, in that writing and in the, in, and in the prayer and in the writing of songs, um, I think it's good to get that out. And in, in, in any good writer, I think, should just write their heart, you know, and not be uh, stuck into a, a corner of one thing or another, you know. So I do. I like, I like country. I like to write toward country. Um, I, I think there's, there's just still, you know, that's, that's the form of music that's still using guitars and bass and drums, you know. Um, I love to listen to pop music, but I don't write a whole lot of pop music. So, okay, no. so we're not going to hear any rap music from you any Probably not, but maybe, <laughs> maybe there's there's some good there's some actually some good Catholic rappers out there right now that are doing really good stuff. You know, I think it'd be fun to collaborate. I do. Have you ever had any of those types of uh, ideas that you just can't get it off the ground, but it, it would be interesting? Anybody approach you and um, like for songs? Yeah, like um, other different genres as well. Yeah, man, I've got a really good country song idea that I have never, but I don't want. I want to say it out loud because somebody's going to take it and run with it, and it's because it's such a good idea. But but I have not been able to form it into uh, into what I feel like it needs to be as a song. And usually my my process, and unless I'm like really sitting down on a deadline or, or like, like sometimes I'll, I'll make a trip to Nashville to sit down and write, you know, or I'll schedule a session on Zoom or something to sit down and write. And, you know, we'll just for two hours crank something out, you know. Um, but a lot of times when I'm writing by myself, my process is like waiting on the melody to come, you know, waiting. And then, and then when something hits me, I get my phone out and voice memo or I get a piece of paper or something and start writing the idea so I don't lose it. Um, but with this particular song, I don't know why it has never hit me. It's just never come. Um, and I did one time I sat down, I was in Nashville, um, with a guy who's a country music writer and we sat down together and we got, ah, we got verse and chorus, but, but even, you know, when I go back to it, it's still, it's just not right to me. So do the lyrics come to you first or the music whenever you write? It just depends. You know, sometimes I'll get an idea. It's usually like a, usually a lyric idea comes to me first, like a, uh, some sort of theme, you know, I've been trying to write something for Holy Thursday for probably a year and a half now, just, but I can't come up with anything that sounds good to wash my feet. You know, <laughs> just, mm. just, yeah, yeah. that's a weird, <laughs> something, yeah, just a weird phrase during the foot washing during mass. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, eventually I'll sit down and something will, you know, but, but those are the kind of phrase, you know, there's a phrase, um, that, that will pop into my head and then I try to set that phrase to music. Um, so I usually try to start with a hook or a chorus of some sort. Yeah. Now I've asked you this after one of our choir practices here at St. Faustina. What yeah. is it? What does it feel like when you hear somebody uh, like a church choir just not do your song that well? Because <laughs> we have butchering my we've song. butchered your yeah. songs in no. front of you. Yes, we have. No, <laughs> no. I th- I think you know I've had this discussion with a couple different people actually, and and I th- I think uh, Monica said this. You know, she's like she's like it's such an, it's such, music is such an art. You know, I think she approaches it that way, and I I love that. I love the idea that it, music is an art form. You know, and and a lot of times when I'm writing a song, it's it's like a clay pot that's just spinning, and you know, clay is flying everywhere and you're trying to shape it into what it's supposed to be. And, you know, as you, it's a messy process as you do that. And, and I think once you finish it and you get what you think is this beautiful finished piece, 
you record it that way and and this is the way that you want it to be remembered and you want other people to do it that way as well you know and that's that's the whole point of the especially in catholic music like here's the here's the resource here's the recording and 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 here's the sheet music these are kind of the the ways that you should do it uh-huh. but it's still an art form so it's like when people get it and they hear it differently than the way that you heard it or you recorded it I, it's i think it has to be okay you know it just has to be okay that you that it's presented a little bit differently, you know? Have you heard any like very interesting renditions of your songs? Um, any, well, I, <laughs> anything comes to mind? I think it does based off the look on your face. <laughs> okay. Well, there's just one time that we, uh, we were in, um, we we're I think we were in Texas. We were somewhere in Texas. Um, this was this was years ago. I was still living in Louisiana, and and we were doing a I think we were doing a tour somewhere, or we were. I was a one off. I don't remember. And we were at church, and I, and there was a a player as a harmonica player, and he asked if he could play with us on um, our last song, and I th- I thought well, I don't I don't know. I it's scary because you know I don't know if he play. I, don't, I mean yeah yeah in a harmonica. I mean <laughs> and how good is he? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he. So. Um, <laughs> So I, I, you know, I, I went with it. I was like, okay, you know, I mean, he seemed like a nice guy. And, uh, so, he, so he, he shows up with his, uh, harmonica and he's got a whole box of them, you know, so he's got, he looks like a, I mean, as pro harmonica players go, he looks uh-huh. pretty serious and he's got his whole box out here and he, he brings it out. And so I, I, I tell him we're in the key of G, I yell, we're in the key of G. And uh, so we start the song and we're playing and we're, you know, we're getting into the intro pretty good. And, and then he comes in just wailing on his harmonica and it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. And I'm like, what is happening right now? What is he doing? You know, and I'm, we're, I'm looking at the other players. We're like, how do we get out? How do we, where is the exit? You know, like uh, uh, abort, abort. We're like trying to get out of the situation. And uh-huh. uh and I realized that we had tuned a half step down oh. for the for the whole event. We tuned a half step because because it was an acoustic event, so it made the acoustics just it makes it sound thicker and fuller if you tune oh, a half so step he had, down. He and, didn't do anything wrong. So he it, didn't do anything wrong. Oh. He was actually probably killing it in the but in the wrong key. So <laughs> so we played the whole song, and he I mean. I don't know. He, oh. To his credit, he made it look great. I mean, you know, he was dancing around and having a, a blast. But um, yeah, we we played that a whole. When did you a, realize a half that you step were off through the whole thing? When did you realize was it halfway through the song or after the song was over that you realized? No, it the, was about. I, I, he was about five, six bars into the intro, you know, playing and and it was sounding terrible. That I was. But like, I mean, that okay, you realized that the 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 half step when. When did you realize? Well, that? I I knew that we were tuned down a half step. I just I just I we you were playing it. it in G. I just didn't tell him that we were actually in F sharp because we uh, were G flat. So anyway, so when I did just that connection happen? That yeah, you realized... about four or five bars in, I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I I just realized we are not playing that in in the key that you're playing it in. But it was too late. We were already in. I was singing, yeah. and he was. Oh, you couldn't yell over to him. We're yeah. the wrong key. Yeah, Sorry. Right. Yeah, Our right. Fault. It's, yeah, it was game over. <laughs> it was game over. So. Any other renditions of your songs that, like, you walk into a church or something and you hear one of your songs or 
No, I think, I mean, once in a while that'll happen. Uh, once I was in, um, we went to Mass. We were on a vacation, beach vacation, uh, down Gulf Shores somewhere, or Orange Beach, somewhere down there, and went to Mass on Sunday, and uh, and they were playing they were playing one of my songs. And it was, you know, I mean, it's not the way that I would have done it, but again, it's an art, you know, mm-hmm. it's different. And uh, I always try, I make it a point, even if, even if it's just a, a cantor and an organist, I try to, when I'm visiting other churches, just go and say, hey, be affirmed. Thanks mm-hmm. for doing music in a Catholic church and for, for singing, for giving your gift and, yeah. and just for serving the church in this way, you know? So, uh, and I did that that day as well, you know, just to... Did you ever... My kids hate that, by the way. My kids, <laughs> I, oh, when your song... Well, well, no, just just that I have to stay after Mass and go tell... Because it's just in me, it's like the music director, oh. the music minister in me would want to hear that from a visitor, you know? And so yes. I just... Uh, it's just important to me. And my kids are like, oh, God, just get in the car, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he always has to talk he to always, the people. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so. But did you ever hear a rendition of one of your songs and say, wow... Oh, I never would have thought to do it that way or that that's, you know, that's a great, you know, rendition or a great take it. Um, not that I can think of. Um, yeah, but once in a while I'll hear a new version of somebody else's song. Like, like, and, and I love this, that once in a while I'll hear, um, a, a lot of times spirit and song will do this actually, or, or choose Christ. Now we'll take a song that I've heard a thousand times one way. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then they'll re-record that and present it in a different way. And I go, uh, and then all of a sudden I hear th- why people love the song so much, you know. And I'm like, oh, and it's it's great. So there's it a couple new of again. Record- yeah, right. Uh-huh. Um, they actually had me re-record "City of God" recently, and so I, I reproduced that song and and released it. And and as I was diving into the weeds of that song, I was just like, okay, now I kind of get why you know, why everybody celebrates the song so much. So yeah, sometimes it's just a representation and it's like, man, okay, yeah. I know you've been asked this a million times, but what what song is extra special to you? One of your favorite ones? Mm. That's a tough one because they're all kind of like your babies, you know, you write them and you spend so much time with them and you, you work so hard on um, on the craft of it and then you know, crafting the song and then recording the song and getting the right players or getting the right um, sounds for it, you know. Uh, so it's tough. But I, I think right now I'm I'm really focused on Beautiful Is Your Love just because, I mean, it's, it's we've recorded it twice, which is unusual. Mm. Um, it, it's on Even In This, which was our, a project that I did with the band uh, that we self-produced and that we self, uh, sorry, we didn't self-produce it, we we uh, released, self-released independently, and uh, we raised all the money for it through Kickstarter um, several years ago, and and uh, had Michael Farron, who wrote several of the songs with us on it, produce it as well. And so we released the song, Beautiful Is Your Love, on that project, and we've had so much, so many good experiences with it, and so many successful times where we're talking or when we're playing music at, at an event and and we start that song and people just jump in with us 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's like they've heard it before. And uh-huh. it's, it's a strange experience. Um, it's brought me to tears more than once. And I'm just, I, I just start and I, I'm like, I'm still surprised. Like, I just go, how do you know, th- how do you know this song? <laughs> Where did you hear this? Um, it is, because when I heard it, I thought, it's like, I've heard this song before. Yeah. It's very familiar, but yeah, something it was new it. to me. It's yeah. strange. So, so we re-recorded, we re-recorded that on the, the latest um, project, Outpoured, which just came out and... And beautiful love is beautiful as your love is kind of the focus track right now for that. Uh, so we've been promoting it, but I, I and, and I'm not saying this just because we're promoting that song or that. I'm saying this because I, it's the only song that I've that I can ever remember um, it being so powerful and have such a long lasting life to it. Um, uh-huh. That even still, as we play it and sing it, either in mass or in adoration, that it. Um, people just can start singing it with us. And and so to us, it was worth, uh, I want to say us, I'm talking about the band, it was worth re, re-recording that song and re-releasing it to let a new audience hear it and and be uh, be a part of, you know, whatever it is that's going on with that song. So, yeah. Is there any song that you really had to grind out? It took forever to, to get finally the, the final version of it? Yeah, uh, let's see. Well, Beautiful Is Your Love was not that way. It was the opposite of that, actually, because I wrote that with um, with Mark Bird, who uh, you've heard God of Wonders. God of Wonders, God of... Uh, it's Mark Bird's uh, song. And then Sarah Hart, who writes... She's a brilliant writer and has written a lot, a lot of music. And so that, that one just kind of... I mean, it was... It just came right out. It was like, okay, we were done in an hour and a half, two hours. Wow, really? Uh, yeah, it was just a... It was just an amazing kind of, you know, one of those moments. Lightning in a bottle, huh? Yeah, right. Um, but in terms of like some of the more difficult ones, um, I can't think off the top of my head of anything that's, you know, there's some, I, I just wrote one called um, Behold the Lamb. Uh, it's, it's not recorded yet. Uh, I hadn't even submitted it yet. I'm about to submit it. It's... Um, and it, 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 it's been a little bit more laborious. I wrote it with a, a friend, Rich Grillone, who's um, up in Pennsylvania. He's a music director up there and super talented guy. He notates music so fast. I mean, like he's just super fast and super smart and a great, great musician, great writer. And, um, and we sat down to write, because it's the year of the Eucharist, right? This diocesan year of the Eucharist, and we're moving into pretty soon the, the, the uh, parish revival year of the Eucharist. And so, so many beautiful things happening here over the next couple of years with, um, with the Eucharistic revival and focusing on Jesus, um, Jesus' real presence in the body and blood um, of Christ that we receive in the liturgy at Mass. So... We wanted to write toward that, uh-huh. um, and that's a big topic, right? When, I, I mean, we I write about that all the time, but all of a sudden, you know, with with the year that we're in and the approaching year of Eucharist uh-huh. and all that stuff, it became such a, 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 a such a more weighty um, topic, you know. And so as we like the as importance we started, of it, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so as we started writing it. Um, yeah, that that we kind of started feeling the weight of it and just wanted it to be really good. So nothing really felt right, you know. As we were going, to, no, it's not good. It's not good enough. We need another, line, you know. And so, uh-huh. so it's it's been, you know, we really. I mean, I think we started it a month ago and really just maybe not quite, maybe three weeks ago, and just kind of uh, yesterday got to the point where we feel like, okay, here's a good demo that really represents, I think, what this song needs to be. Um, so we finished it up, but yeah, that was kind of a labor of love. Yeah, it took us a took us a minute to get there. <laughs> Have you ever had like a, a bout of writer's block where you just couldn't write anything 
make any music or write anything new for an extended period of time? <sighs> Thank God, no, I haven't. Um, I've heard about writers, you know, dealing with that, and uh, it, I, I haven't really experienced that. I feel like whenever I, whenever I really sit down and I go, "Yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just." smash through this, then I can, I can usually do it. And that's, that's really what I've always heard about writer's block is to just finish the song, like power through, power through it, whatever happens. And it may not be, you know, it's not going to be a number one hit anywhere. It's okay. Just finish the song. You wrote one of the mass settings. Could you tell us a little about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so massive restoration, um, started, um, I I was at prompt sucker, prompt succor, prompt (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, my guitarist, Gray McCullough, uh, was, uh, he and I were associate music directors there at the parish for years and years together. And this was right when the settings had changed. We started, uh, writing a new mass part because, um, all of the mass settings at that point were going to be pretty much extinct because, you know, the, the text was changing. Yes. So we couldn't use them anymore. Yeah. So right around what, 2012? 2011, I think. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So, um, so all of that was changing and we, we, we wanted to contribute to the new group of songs that was about to, you know, about to come out. And so Massive Restoration was born uh, around that time. There was there was a lot of restoration going on just in our own lives, spiritually. And, and so that, that's kind of where the name came from. It's also um, in uh, one of the songs, Restored is the name of one of the songs on a project that we did, one of the albums that we did uh, back then, You Are the Light. So there was a lot, we were doing a tour right behind that. So there was a lot of focus on the idea of restoration and of, of God just, you know, restoring us, uh, reviving us. And... Um, so that's why we decided to name it that. But 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 we really wanted to write something that was approachable from all angles because you know recognizing that the church um, is has this this you know sometimes it becomes a dichotomy and I, and I just I can't I can't stand when this happens because you know we're the universal church we should be about unity um, and for some reason we get into this musical divide that it should be one way or another mm-hmm. so we really wanted to approach these mass parts in a way that they could they could be played prayed performed at mass in a way that um no matter no matter if you're playing organ if you're playing guitar if you're playing piano mm-hmm. or if you just want to chant them yeah that it could be done that way and so that was the goal from the from the beginning and i think that we accomplished that and, and in the process we we decided to record it three different times so we recorded it once with just acoustic guitar so if uh-huh. you're a, if you're at a summer camp and you just all you have is your acoustic here's how this this is the representation of that this is how you would do it that way but if you are if you're at mass and you've got your contemporary band and you've got keyboards and electric guitars and drums and bass and all that stuff and an orchestra whatever here's here's the global use of it and that's massive restoration live uh-huh um and then and then we did another one called massive restoration the sacred sessions and that is with organ and strings and a choir and so it's mm. just the presentation of that uh three different ways so that no matter what music your church has, you you can you can use this setting. So that was the idea behind it. Yeah. So when you walked into the project, you're like, "We're gonna make a mass setting." Yeah, that's what it was. You said, "We're gonna sit down. We're gonna grind this out." How long did it take you to to do the entire thing? Um, it took a it took a few weeks. It took a few weeks to get through the initial and and it's it changed form several times even after those few weeks. But 
we, we got through the original, like, like we, I didn't want to just do a, a Gloria and a Holy and an Amen and some memorial acclamations. I wanted to do the whole thing. So with the Kyrie is in there. Uh-huh. The, um, we have a Lenten gospel acclamation uh, and the regular one and the Gloria and the Holy. Three memorial acclamations, Amen, Lamb of God. The whole setting is there. Yes. And then in addition to that, um, in order to make it completely comprehensive, we wanted to to write as many gospel acclamations as we could, the verses. Ah, so, yes. So whether it's Lent or Advent or whatever season, if it's mm-hmm. A, B, or C in the cycle, whatever, um, you've got everyone is set to music. So if you're a cantor, you don't have to look around for, uh, you don't have to look around for which setting you have music for. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right here in this this setting. And, and that's something that not a whole lot of mass settings have. And so it was important to me that we that we make it simple for the cantor because I know I know the pain of being the week of and it's like <laughs> oh gosh we don't what about the gospel acclamation my bass player we he jokes about this with us all the time because we when we're doing mass when we're out on um you know we're doing like a conference or something and mass is coming up and and it's always the psalm response right it's always the psalm response that catches you off guard we know all the other songs we've done uh-huh. them a million times yeah but the psalm response it has to be verbatim and it has to be you know and so at the last minute i i i'm looking at the usccb website i'm going okay what are the readings for the day what's the psalm for today Oh no, Psalm four hundred thousand and twenty-eight. We don't have a setting for it, you know. And so at the last minute, I'm freaking out, and I'm either trying to write something or find a setting, you know. And so my bass player, he finally goes after like the you know fourth or fifth time that he's watched me do this. He's like, "Do you not know <laughs> that the Psalm is coming?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, all right, no, yeah, this is a problem. If you." <laughs> If if we're doing this this much, this is a problem. So yeah, I've started looking more in advance now for the psalms for the weekends. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a verbatim situation. So you know, you want to have it all yeah. there in front of you. Uh, here's here's a just a thought. I know this may be a Herculean task, but what what do you think about you know writing music for all of the psalms? In the massive restoration, so it'll match. Yeah, it is a Herculean task. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that might it might get a little. You know, it's all an E, and and we tried to be pretty matchy matchy throughout all uh-huh. the different settings. And uh, but man, how many psalms are there? A hundred and <laughs> yeah, that might get. I might get boring there towards the end. You might get a little crazy <laughs> yeah, you know, pulling your hair out. That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. like 123. Uh, I can't get yeah. it to work. You know? But I do, I mean, I write Psalms all the time. I've got, I've, I probably have enough to to make a Psalter. Honestly, there's, there's so many of them um, that are just hanging out loosely around my computer hard drive somewhere. Um, uh, because you just out, just out of need, you know, or you, or you come across a Psalm and you're like, okay, well, we've done this one a hundred times everybody and the assembly is sick of it so we've got to you know we've got to do something new so I'll just write mm. something or um if I can't find something but um yeah just give a, a different there. spin to it yeah right. musically that is of right. course uh-huh. yeah and there's lots of lots of folks who are kind of doing that now Francesca um Roar I think is how you pronounce her last name she's awesome she's a YouTuber that has gotten um lots of traction just playing her psalms and and uh, and and she's selling them now, and people are kind of 
they're beautiful. She's making writing beautiful psalms. So lots of folks are doing that now. Now, before you were the music director here at um, Saint Faustina, you were at Saint Anthony of Padua. Is that the first time you've been music director, or have you been doing it for a while? Yeah. Well, so I was uh, for eighteen years. I was at Prompt Sucker, and um, I was the associate music director there, and really. I was happy doing that because it allowed me to it allowed me to travel as needed. You know, uh-huh. the pastor was very good about just um, he would always say, "Yeah, we're happy to share you with the rest of the world. So when, whenever you need to go, it's fine." It was good, and and not being not not being the the director uh, allowed me not just to travel, but to not have to worry when I was out. So there was always mm-hmm. somebody there that yeah. that was going to cover it. So um, so it was good. And then you know I, when I was after 18 years at a parish, I was just like, man, I have got to, I, I just, I just needed a respite from it, you know, uh-huh. and the, the, uh, from the grind and, um, I needed a change. And so, um, I took a year and I just focused on travel and touring and, uh, and production. I was, I started doing a lot more production, um, for OCP and for some other artists, um, uh, Sarah Kroger and Out of Darkness and uh, Mary Kate Westridge and just just like cranking out recordings for other artists, you know. And um, uh, I was I was really happy doing that and traveling. And I was at a um, I was doing a concert here in in uh, well in Conroe uh, at Sacred Heart, and uh, Father Tom Rafferty was there, and uh, and he came up after and he said, "Well, my music director uh, said she's she's thinking about." you know, maybe moving on and, um, would you consider? And I was like, no, no, nope. Did it. Don't (laughs) want to. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, I was, I really was, I was content, but you know, we finally said, um, Heather and I prayed and and Father Tom was persistent and kind and, um, and sweet. And so, um, you know, we, we, and the kids were in a good place too. Sophie was going into her freshman year. Sutton was going into his seventh grade year. So they were going to be kind of switching anyway, mm, switching yeah. schools. So it's it's a good time. To, it was a good time. Yeah. yeah. And we kind of felt like the Lord was, um, you know, was kind of setting us up for opportunity. And so we said, well, okay, let's, let's pray. And we did, we took a lot of time to pray and consider and finally felt like it was, it was time to make, to make a move. So we did, we jumped ship and, uh, moved to, that was about four years ago. And I uh, was at St. Anthony of Padua with, with uh, Father Tom, and uh, it was great. It was great. We was there for about three and a half years. So, how did this start? Yeah, yeah. Saint Faustina. Um, well, so um, I'm, I'm trying to remember how how it all went down. I I had come to play here a couple times. It's, I did concerts yes. here a couple times, so I was familiar with the parish and and the beauty of all that this parish offers. I think. You know, just being welcomed and being, just being a part of the hospitality. It brought me back, honestly, to the early times in my Christianity when, where I was welcomed by by a people. You know, where I was welcomed by the people of God, wanting me to be a part of what was going on there. And I think that speaks volumes. You know, I mean, the church gives us so much doctrine and so much. Um, we have so much focus on scripture and on documents, and on, and we have so much knowledge of history and tradition and. And all the thing, all of those things are beautiful and wonderful to give us, you know, kind of to guard the edges of our faith. But to me, what really welcomes me into the arms of Jesus is the people of God. You know, that's, and I try to be that for others. I want to always be welcoming to others, and so it just really spoke to me here. And um, 
so I th- um, I, I'm trying to remember if Brian Lennox reached out first or if I, 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 we were doing music for the Archdiocesan Youth Conference okay. here. And, um, and I remember the, my, my truck battery died. <laughs> really? In, yeah. I, it was random. I, I drove up and, and it died like in the hotel roundabout right there. And uh-huh. uh, so luckily they had a, a, jump, a charger to jump it off right there. But uh, so I just went straight to go get a new battery. I just, so uh, we dropped off the luggage and then I just went straight to go get a new battery. And as, as I was going, Father Dat called. Uh-huh. And uh, he and he was just so excited and like I, we had we had done some music at the at the AYC I guess already and um, and and he had heard it he was there I don't know if he was doing confessions or what he was there and he was like he was like oh you had yeah you know it's so good. we we need this kind of music at you know just it just wanted I just I think he just in his welcoming positive. Father Dat kind of way. He just said, "We we we want you to be a part of what we're doing." Uh huh. And so I said, "Okay, I'll I'll, I'll think about it. I'll consider it." So it was awesome. It was really awesome. It's been, and it has been awesome really to be here. And it's just been such a great experience so far, meeting the people and and visiting and diving in. Now you're still living closer to Saint Anthony of Padua right now because your kids are still in school. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm in spring still, uh, and and the, the the kids are closer to the school they're going to there. Um, so yeah, so I think we're going to be there for a minute. And uh, <laughs> so but it's you're going to take that bad drive. Yeah, and it's not bad. I mean, you know, I, 45 is right there, and I'm, I, I'm uh-huh. not 45. 99 is right there, and I'm and and I'm on my way. Um, yeah, that's freewheeling, just yeah. going up. Yeah, yeah. So, so for the meantime, because they're they're. You know, a couple of years coming up on college, yeah, so who knows what's yeah. going to happen so then. So talking about A&M to my LSU heart is, is broken, <laughs> but yeah, she's in on A&M. And, Are you pushing uh, LSU on her? Yeah, but she won't hear it. She won't have anything to do with it. Yeah, really? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. She just, it's far. She she likes to be close to home. She uh-huh. does, and we like to have her close to home. If I could have her go to school in the backyard, I would do that. <laughs> um so so yeah, A&M, and then and Sutton's got two more years uh, for Saudi, so uh yeah, so we'll we'll be a minute there, but uh, but it's not bad, man. I, I it, it's really not a bad drive, and it's good it's good prayer time, and uh-huh. it, it's it's good alone time, you know. And then when I get where I'm going, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, ready to get started. So, Are either of your kids uh, musically inclined? Yeah, they both have been in lessons, uh, piano lessons since uh, five, six, since since very early on. Um, and uh, and they love to play. Well, you know, Sophie got bit. Pretty early by the music bug. She, <laughs> what does she play? Um, she plays piano. Um, she's very good. She, she she can run circles around me in music theory. Really? I mean, circles. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she'll get started talking about things and she just loses me. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Um, uh, she's really good with like harmonics and just, you know, some of the deep theory stuff. Um, and she play guitar too? Um, no, but Sutton, uh, Sutton has ventured out. Uh, he, he played, he's a good, he's a good pianist as well. His theory is very good as well. Uh, but he's ventured out into, um, ukulele and guitar. And so, mm. so yeah, a lot of times now, a lot of nights we'll find ourselves in the studio at home and he'll, and, uh, you know, he'll, He'll pull up YouTube or Spotify and and then Ultimate Guitar or you know one of these websites it just uh-huh. gives you all the chords. Yeah, which drives me insane because I had to figure all that out on my own. <laughs> I I had to sit there with the tape player, wee, 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 play 
you know, and then figure out the... Yeah, it's like, that doesn't <laughs> sound that, right. That doesn't yeah. G, is an A minor? What is it? Yeah, no, it's all right there. So anyway, uh, so he does... So sometimes our, our a lot of our nights are filled now with, uh, yeah, just jam sessions in the studio with uh, Ultimate Guitar and Spotify going, so... It's got, that's cool. It's a lot we, of fun. Are we going to hear the kids on any of your songs anytime in the future? Well, I do occasionally. I record them um, because you know some of the stuff that we're doing requires like a, a, a small choir or a background vocal or something. So I pulled Sophie in just a couple of nights ago because I needed a harmony for something, and and uh, you know she was like, "Sure, I'll do it." She's, she's always a willing candidate, so uh, she jumped in. And how about your wife? You know, she took piano lessons for 18 years, and uh, and she just and she she won't play anything for us anymore. She's just like, <laughs> no, I don't know how to play. She can, but she just she won't she won't do it. Won't she's it. she's like me. I, I'm I'm the least talented of the family. I'm, I'm, I, I tell you tell her I know what it feels family. like. Yeah. <laughs> tell her I know what it feels like. Yeah, you know, people are like yeah, you're you're pretty good. I'm like not compared to the other people in this family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a musical family. You, so you've got one that's uh, today, right? He's got a, a yes, he's got a performance. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and and our daughter also took up some music as well. And then and my wife is just extremely talented. Now, yeah. oh, she is. Yeah. You talked earlier about, you know, you put a second mortgage on your home to to do that first album. And then you also said something about a Kickstarter campaign. Are, do you still have to do that for any future albums or you still? Are... Um, well, what we try to do now, what I try to do now is, is, is you, um, I, I try to use monies from uh, sales of previous Record so so outpoured. This latest one is our eighth studio project. If you count the three separate mass parts uh, settings, so eight studio projects, and and those you know s sell over time. That um, and and I'm able to kind of put money aside for the next project. Uh -huh. So it just kind of goes into a fund, and then I just reuse that to re-record. Um, the days of of making a CD for you know, printing the CD for two bucks and selling it for 15 as they're <laughs> over, they're gone. Uh -huh. So, um, so yeah, so, so that's, that's usually how the next, the next project is funded. Um, and OCP uh, occasionally will act as a label as well. And so in, in some instances they will, uh, they'll provide money for recordings as well. So it just depends on the project and, you know, some of the variables there, but, uh, but yeah, early on, uh, that first project, getting started, it was like, man, I had no idea it cost this much to record music. It, it's it, at the know, time, it's how much was it? Um, I think we spent twenty five on the first, just on the recording, twenty five thousand uh -huh. on the first recording, uh, and then we still had to spend, you know, a few thousand on the actual printed material, right? You wow. Buy the CDs and all so, that stuff. So did you have to like rent out studio time at that time or did yeah, you buy well, the Well, that's all the producer, no, that's all the producer's role. So, uh -huh. so it's $25,000 and you basically, you hand that to the, the producer. It's like buying, you know, it's like building a house. You uh -huh. hand it over to the contractor and you go, okay, and they do, make they, it happen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and yeah. And so we did that and we trusted and it was, uh, it was a beautiful experience for us. Um, and now, and just in time, kind of learning a lot of that stuff on my own over the last 20 years, I'm able to do that for others and, and kind of map that out and budget things out for people. And, and so in the production stuff that I do, um, that's some of the, yeah, that's just, that's it. That's what, man, that's what I'm finishing a master's in right now. Just talking about some of these exact things, like uh -huh. the business portion of it. And, 
um, how this all budgets out and why it costs so much money and why it's so expensive. And then, and then how do you recoup some of that stuff now in a time where it's, you know, you can't sell a $15 CD. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? So anyway, some of those things are just, uh, that's, that's where we are. Has now. it become a little easier to produce now that, you know, a lot of the equipment has become a little more affordable? Um, over the past, you know, 10, I would say it's years. become easier for the average person to produce than it was, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. Uh -huh. um, uh, I now, if you ask me, if it's easier to produce well, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I, th I still think it takes talented people with with the right ear uh, to do that. Of and course, I'm just amazed by some of the some of the people that that do what they do and uh, and the sounds that <laughs> that they that they create. Just naturally, like without the help of plugins or without the help of, uh -huh. you know, as in music production, we often talk about, you know, it starts at the source. The sound starts at the source. So if your kick drum sounds like a, you know, a fluffy bag of pillows, well, that's the way it's going to sound when you, you record. And you can EQ it and you can produce it until you're blue in the face and, and manipulate it however you want. But it still is just a fluffy bag of pillows. But if you start with a you know, a nice sound. Anyway, I'm nerding out on this, but I, <laughs> but I just, I, I just, I love it. You know, I just, and I, and I think getting, getting authentic sound at the beginning is important. And, um, and it's, it's, I'm amazed by, by some of the producers and super talented people who can do that. And I don't think everybody can, um, but it is easier than ever to, to get close to that. Yeah. Now, you, you did say something earlier about, you know, not being able to sell CDs. What is the best place for them to find your music if somebody wants to, you know, to, yeah. to hear your stuff? Oh, thanks for asking that. Well, so joshblakesley.com, um, it's all available there. But, you know, it's all on the all on the streaming service. So if you're an Apple Music or if you're a Spotify person or an Amazon uh, it's all available on those things, and then we try to put everything up on YouTube as well. And um, which one gives you the best, uh, you know, royalties in terms of you know, kind of helping you out financially? You know, that's a good question. Pro probably, I would say either Apple Music or Spotify, probably or Amazon. One of those. Um, uh, it's a little more difficult, I found, to monetize on on YouTube. Um, but but there's a, with YouTube, there's a you know there's it's visual and there's, there's more things, there's more candy, I think, you know, uh -huh. so we try to provide that as well through, through YouTube. So not just live action videos, which we've done for beautiful is your love, but also lyric videos for all the songs. And then, you know, different ways to, to represent the same song, you know, through videos. So are there any karaoke versions out there as well that um, <laughs> well, you know, we, we get tracks for all that. We get instrumental tracks. Every yes. time we mix, we get instrumental tracks. So they're somewhere. They are, they're on a hard drive. They exist. Also, you haven't released any karaoke versions yet. No, the... but maybe that, maybe that's next. We should, maybe we should do that. We should put some karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, if there's, let's say there's a teenager out there right now. Yeah. Who's, who's got a you know, guitar behind the piano and thinking, Hey, I, I want to write music for God as well. What, what advice would you give to them? Oh, wow. Well, I, the first thing I always say to people who, and I, and I, like when I'm at an NCYC or when I'm at a, you know, an event, a conference or a, a youth, a parish event or whatever, when, when we're doing these events and um, I, actually, I often have teens come and approach me and say, man, I, I sing and I would, I'd love to do, how do I, you know, that question, what you just posed. Mm -hmm. And what I always say first is pray. I think that's the most important thing that we can do um, in, 
especially in Christian music. I, I think that's true for any type of music, anything that you want to do. I, th- I think God is real. Therefore, our relationship with him has to be in place in order for us to to do what he's asking us to do, what he's calling us to do. Um, so I think that's that's first and foremost, particularly in Christian music. I mean, obviously, we've got to have a relationship with him. We've got to be in daily prayer to be able to to sing music about him. Um, and then uh, the next thing I, I would say is, is practice. Like with all, with all of your time, with all of your spare time, just dive in. If you're, if you're not practicing, then you should be. <laughs> and if you're, if you're eating, then finish eating and go practice. Cause I think it's just the, um, you know, if, if you want to be in music, uh, there is always somebody, um, if you're a guitarist, there's always a better guitarist. And so go find them and learn what they're doing. You know, that's the, that's it. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I never, I never really mastered one instrument. I just learned them all and kind of, you know, and so um, I think for like some of the studio players that I play with or that, uh, or that I hire to, to do production work, I watch some of those guys and I am amazed by what they do with their instruments, you know? So if that is what you want to do, then focus on that. So that would be the last little bit I would say to kind of um, hone in on one particular thing. Like, is it, is it singing that you want to do? Is it guitar playing? Is it piano playing? Is it organ? Is it, what is it? And, and jump in, dive into that uh, specifically. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I think sometimes people ask that question and they want a magic answer, you know, or maybe, uh-huh. or maybe they're looking for, you know, how, how do I, how do I become famous or how do I become, and, and I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. And I'm, I wonder that, I don't think that we should even be looking for that really, you know, um, I think we should be asking what, what is it that God wants us to do and who does he want us to be and, and how do we achieve that, you know? Do you ever go to a parish and then you hear a great vocalist or hear a pianist do something so well and you just have to tell them, hey, you know, you, you've got a real gift there. Do you ever go up to them and just say, you know, um, don't I, stop doing this? I do. Yeah, I do try to do that. Um, when when I'm moved by a particular, any really anybody in the performance arts, because you, I, I'm a fan of comedians. I love comedians. I just think... Um, I just think it takes a, a huge amount of guts and a huge amount of talent to be able to stand up in front of people with nothing but a microphone and try to make them laugh. I mean, oh my gosh, that's got to be the hardest job in the world. <laughs> and there are people that do it really, really well. And so anybody in the performance arts, you know, like I try to make it a point um, after our, if I'm moved by something specifically, then, then I'll go and I'll tell them, I'll make it a point to tell them, uh, much to my family's chagrin sometimes, but, (laughs) but I will, I'll, I'll go and do it. And even sometimes when, um, uh, like if there's a high school performance that I'm at, or if there's, you you know, if I'm watching, sometimes I'm watching kids do what kids do, you know, and maybe it's not the greatest thing that I've ever seen obviously, because they're, you know, they're kids or whatever, but they're still, I, yeah, honing their craft. But you yeah. can see, you can see the talent and the desire in it. And that's why I try to really uh, encourage that as, as much as I can. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's beautiful and it does, it takes courage to get up and, and do that. We did a music session, um, somebody from St. Anthony of Padua, Allison Acompañado, and, and yeah. I'd never heard her before that, but um, Matt, who's the music director there at the Epiphany said, oh, she sings with Josh Blakesley and St. Anthony of Padua. I'm telling you, you got to go outside. Okay, I'll take your word. And she sang for us and she, well, we were just blown away. Yeah, just, yeah, she's uh, awesome. Just amazing. Do you, do you ever look back and think, wow, I can't believe I've 
I've worked with all this great talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, Matt's great too, and uh, Matt's awesome, and and Allison is amazing, and um, I, I stay in touch with Allison because she is she's one of those rare gifts. She can sing anything, you know, and make it sound absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I I think generally speaking, and I try like when I YouTube stuff, like my whole I, I nerd out on like um, I. I like I'm nerd out on music stuff, really. I try to find players who are really good or producers who are really good or, or, um, or artists, you know, who sing really well, you know, and I, I geek out on that stuff. And when I get to, um, when I get to, to, to be in an enclosed space with them, like when I'm in the studio with some of these, these guys record, I'll go to Nashville a lot to record. And, um, and I try to use, you know, session players who are at the top of their game doing what they do. And, you know, and some of these guys have played with some of the, you know, they've played on some, some of the albums that we hear every day on the radio, you know, uh-huh. and, um, and I'll just sit in awe of the whole thing, the whole thing that I'm in the room, number one, <laughs> you know, and number two, that, that these people are able to make, do things with their instruments that I can't even imagine how, like, I just can't figure out how they how they do it, how they hear it, and then how they make their fingers do, you know, how it goes from, you know, brain neuron flashes or whatever to like notes on a page or sounds in my ear, you know, it's just really, the whole thing is, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now that you're a music director, you've been, you, you've done it in St. Anthony, here at St. Faustina, does the, the administration part get to you? Is it, be, is it a lot of a challenge? <laughs> Um, it, it is, that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, you know, today, as a matter of fact, this morning I was, you know, I'm, I'm hammering through, I, I try to start every morning with a list of things to do, you know, and sometimes I didn't get done from the, the previous day's list. And so I'll copy it over to the new day's list. And, uh, as I'm crossing things out, I'll, you know, it'll get halfway through the day and I'll, um, I'll look at the page and I'll go, I haven't played music. <laughs> I haven't played music. <laughs> I've got to play music. And so that's kind of my thing every day is like, yes, administrative stuff. Yes, we want to get, you know, all the names and planning center and we want to get all the music uploaded and we want to get, we want to get songs out to all the people so everybody knows what they're supposed to sing, what they have to sing and, you know, and who's singing what and all of that. But before the day's end, I've got to play notes. I have to do that because it's just otherwise, otherwise we're, I'm just administrating and I'm, uh -huh. you know, um, and I'm not getting better at what I do. Um, uh, so, so that's important, I think, for me to spend time every day, just, just honing the craft. I think it's important. And, and sometimes, so I set up camp kind of in the, the rehearsal room where we rehearse, you know, mm -hmm. so my desk is in there. And, um, and when I was moving in there, jo Joffrey came over and he, he said, uh, do, do you mind if I come over and and practice sometimes like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you should definitely do that. Uh -huh. You're not going to bother me at all. <laughs> like if we don't do that, yeah, then, then, uh, something's wrong. We've got, we've got to get in there for a half hour at least and just, um, yeah, let, let the piano sing a little bit or, you know, whatever it is. Now, in terms of the music that you release, um, what do we have to look forward to coming up? Yeah, well, so so we've been all kind of all systems go on outpoured. Um, mm -hmm. So this that's the newest project. Um, 
with uh, with without poured the the we're focused on beautiful is your love right now uh, and letting folks know about that song again and um and this being you know the the diocesan revival for the Eucharist and and next year being the uh, parish revival for the Eucharist really honing in on that idea of uh, of Jesus presence in uh, the body the body blood soul and divinity of Christ present in what looks like bread and wine uh, and that whole mystery and so that's why beautiful is your love is so important uh, Jesus I trust in you some of the songs off of this project and then as we get closer to Easter um, we'll start hearing more about the song Alleluia sing to Jesus which is on that project as well um, which we'll be doing here at, for um, for Easter Alleluia sing to Jesus uh, it's kind of a new Again, just a representation of a song that we've all heard several times, but with a new refrain and and uh, orchestrated with strings and horns and a choir and the whole deal. So um, I'm excited about that that song, uh, especially off this project because it's um, it was such a major production. It was such a major production between a bass, drums, and guitar, and and uh, and a few background vocals. Allison sang on that, by the way. Mm. Um, and and then organizing the choir to sing on that, um, organizing you know having the orchestral parts done by uh, my friend Tim Lenhart, which is he's a super talented guy, trombone player, um, and you know having him do his horn, just all the orchestration is just uh-huh. it was such a major production. Uh, I think we used over two hundred tracks just like. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just getting that song. Wow. It was a beast. In Pro Tools, just like just scrolling through <laughs> tracks and tracks of music yeah wow. voices and uh and you know bunches of horn parts and string parts and uh yeah so it was a, a major undertaking um but it, I, but i love the result i think the result came out great do you still sell physical cds or it's all digital now uh without port it's all digital yeah okay yeah. so find it on those places that you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Apple Music, Amazon. Yeah, joshplaces.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. all those places. Yeah, and same thing for, you know, for events as we're, we're, I'm still doing events. I'm here at the parish a lot and it's kind of number one for me now, but, um, but, but I am still traveling and doing lots of events and conferences and concerts and stuff. So, yeah. So via the website, if they want to book you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Josh, for, you know, taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and sitting down with us and telling your story. Oh, I'm grateful. Thanks for giving me opportunity. Thank you, Rudy. And I'm sure that that friend of yours is smiling down on you with all the work that, you know, that she planted that seed. Amen.